Welcome to A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. Whether your kids are three months old or 33 years old, we can live with each other in a way that gives life. That's A Life Shared. I'm Ellen Martin. Glad you joined us. Today's guest shares a generous offering. She talks about life after divorce with kids. Married 14 years, suddenly she was with a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, feeling like she carried the weight of the world. Listen in, because whether you're married, single, or divorced, the stories of others, they give us life. Maria, welcome to A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for having me. It means a lot that you're here to talk about being single with kids. We should be clear, you did just recently remarry. How long were you single? I filed for divorce in May of 2013 um, and just got married last month. So it was about eight and a half years. Okay. And how old were the kids when you became single? Um, My son had just turned nine and my daughter had just turned five. Yeah. So they are now 17 and 13. I had been with my ex-husband since I was 18. So half my life. So I was a child (laughs) when we met and uh, I think 22 when we married. I really grew up in that marriage and in many ways didn't grow up. Mm. Uh, and had no idea who I was at 36 and suddenly alone with two children to somehow keep alive. (laughs) You know, being single with kids is very different than being married with kids. How would you compare the two? Although some people's story is it was easier after the divorce. Well, there there was some (laughs) Because of of the circumstances, (laughs) it it really was easier rather than harder. That may be difficult for some listeners, but sometimes that's the case. Yeah. Every situation is different. In my situation, my ex-husband was an addict. And so my marriage fell apart. um, Well, my life (laughs) fell apart um, three to four years before I filed for divorce. Mm -hmm. Uh, It had been on a downward trajectory from day one, but it really became pretty much unmanageable for the last three to four years. So there was a level of relief, but there was a huge emotional shift for me in the financial aspect of it, even though um, he hadn't been working for a couple of years. I felt like I still had another person there as a safety net kind of a thing. But Mm -hmm. once I was on my own, there was this overwhelming financial responsibility that I Mm -hmm. I thought was going to kill me. (laughs) I looked at the future and, you know, there was this huge financial hole to dig out of in a very small shovel. I couldn't see a future. There was only today. There was, I will survive this day. I will keep my head above water. Tomorrow we'll have to deal with tomorrow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I think one thing that people aren't aware of a lot of times with a single parent is the reality of survival mode. It took about three and a half years, I was thinking back on the timeline, to switch from just surviving, just getting through the bare minimum to keep things going and getting back to living, trying to enjoy some things again um, and better myself. And it was really just a struggle. That, that was the biggest shift for me was that that mental shift from being part of a family to feeling completely alone, carrying the weight of the world. And how am I going to do this? There was no vision for the future. So you had no vision for the future and you were in survival mode for three and a half years. I often refer to that as the train wreck years. It it was a pretty self-destructive time for me. Mm. The one saving grace 
best decision I ever made in that whole process um, of filing for divorce uh, was that I moved my parents in with me. On one hand, I felt like I was suddenly responsible for, you know, five people. <laughs> I also had a live-in support system. I, I often said in that time, I don't know how people do it when they don't have family to help. Yeah. Because I do not know how I would have made it. <laughs> Being on the other side of it now, I believe that I would have figured out how. At the time, I felt like I was going to die <laughs> um, without help. It yeah. just was impossible. On the days when I thought, I've done nothing right, <laughs> I could remind myself, my parents are here. And that is the best gift I could have given my kids at this time. I work, one of the things that stands out to me is what shapes families? You've already spoken to, to some of the things, but faith shapes us, whether it's a crisis of faith, whether it's no faith at all, you know, it shapes how we live. Our relationships shape us, as you're saying, you know, your parents moving in, it, it was a support system. It was an anchor for you all. And, you know, you talked about a, having a financial debt and you know, that was enormous and a very small shovel to dig out of, yes. <laughs> you know, our resources really do shape us. When you say that you were in survival mode for three and a half years, is it finding your footing and saying, you know, at 36, you didn't know who you were, you were in, that was part of the whole part of the whole was choices that had been made for all those years um, while you were married that were problematic and you were now having to resolve little of all of that. <laughs> and having grown up um, wanting only to be a wife and mother, I went to college. Once I found the, the person I was going to marry, I stopped going to school. There was no point. Mm. I, there was no career that appealed to me. There was no calling that I felt towards anything other than, you know, being a homemaker. Uh, it was important to me to homeschool my kids and to be the main influence for my children. That was my whole life plan. So to suddenly see that fall apart and not be possible and have to take on, you know, the, the breadwinner role instead of the caregiver role was very, very difficult for me. I was a server. Money is very up and down in that mm -hmm. industry, there is no security. There are no sick days. There's no vacation time. There's no insurance. I went without health insurance for seven years. Uh, I had the kids on Medicaid, but I had nothing. If, you know, if yeah. something had happened, it would have been devastating. And honestly, I lived for a long period of time where missing one paycheck would have been devastating. Yeah. There just yeah. was no cushion. Two other things that I'm finding that shape families are expectations and values. The expectation you had for your life, the values of how that were shaping how you were going to live, suddenly they weren't optional. That's one place where my my parents really helped. Um, I was able to continue homeschooling. They <laughs> took over most of the homeschooling during those those years when life was just falling apart all around me and you know barely making it through because of that that good decision of moving them in and their willingness um, to help out with that homeschooling. It was very important to me. So that was a huge gift. I could not imagine having to send the kids away to school. 
um, at that point in their life. So that was one of the things that really shaped the reason I went into serving in the first place was that um, I could homeschool in the morning, mm. go to work in the afternoon, come home at 11 or 12 o'clock at night and uh, repeat. I'm hearing you say that even though things were really in crisis mode for you for three and a half years, you know, survival mode is a crisis mode. And even though there were so many options that didn't seem to exist, you didn't have health insurance, missing a paycheck would have been devastating. You know, things were hard. You also still made choices for the life you wanted to give your children. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to give them better and do better for them. So you're saying you wanted better for your kids. What was better? I think in the beginning, I was just trying to make sure that they suffered as little as possible from my mistakes, if that makes sense. I wanted them to have the childhood that I had with a mom at home and Mm -hmm. feeling secure. (laughs) I always saw divorce as just this catastrophe for kids. And so I wanted to try to minimize that impact on them however I could. So trying to build some sense of security for them, trying to maintain um, that homeschooling, I thought was very important because, you know, that's all they knew. And just trying to give them the same kind of foundation that I had, but I, I didn't have the same tools to work with. Have you ever talked with your children now that they're older and now that you're in a different situation than you were? Have you all had that conversation? We have had it in some some aspects, more with my son than my daughter because he's older. Of course. Um, we talk about it, about the home that we live in. Mm. Um, we moved a lot when I was a kid. We didn't, I didn't have a hometown, a that's the house I grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of security. I had security in my family, but I always felt like I was missing some roots. And so it's always been very important to me to keep the kids in the house. That was one of the things that I struggled with in the beginning uh, because I was very close to foreclosure uh, mm. when I filed for divorce. I wanted them to have the home they grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've talked about that and my desire for them to have roots. You're sharing this story from your perspective, obviously, because that's what you have to mm-hmm. share. Right. But it also makes me wonder about the perspective of your children and causes me to beg the question, you know, what would it be like to, to talk with your children after this? Not saying you should or shouldn't, but you know, what would it be like? Um, because so often as parents, we carry things that we think our children are carrying. And sometimes we discover they're not right. You know, what was really difficult for us as a parent, what we really wanted to be able to provide, but couldn't or fought desperately to really didn't matter to our kids. It didn't matter to them. Yeah. And you know, at nine and five years old, that's certainly not a family conversation. Right. (laughs) You know, like, you know, you, you know, but there is a fascinating thing. And as a grown woman who I think at like 25, I just kind of said to my mom, I need to ask you some questions and ask some questions from my side. It was really rather freeing for both of us to be able to talk about things that happened during the single years when they were really hard and what it was like for her and what it was like for me. So, you know, I'm listening to this and this isn't even remotely how I expected this interview to go, but it makes me wonder, are there freedoms that you could have? Because what you feel like you failed to give, they don't see it that way at all. 
There has been some of that um, in the last couple of years as I have really grown and and released some things myself. Um, there definitely has been some um, realization that, you know, the kids understand a lot more than you think sometimes. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and they are getting to that point that all of my single mom friends or adult friends who were raised by single moms told me over and over through the years, they will see eventually. Yes. Yeah. They are taking in more than you think. Yeah. And they will appreciate everything later. And you just have to get through till then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is one thing that I clung to. And, and one thing that I do try to pass on to other single moms who are, you know, earlier in their uh, journey is, you know, I know it sounds like a cliche and, and it is a, it is a fragile, small hope to hold on to, but they will appreciate all that you do. They do see you. They just don't know how to say it now. They don't yeah. even know how to appreciate it now. How can you know that something is a gift if it's all you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, if you think about it, you know, as parents, we understand the price of the gift, but as children, it's simply what's set before them. They have no idea the sacrifice behind it. I was actually thinking about that this week and, you know, just thinking, Jesus, what are the sacrifices that you have made for me that I have no idea mm -hmm. the price you paid? And, and I have yet to truly be grateful for them because I just don't know the depth mm -hmm. of gratitude they merit. And right. I think that that's very much what it's like to be a child. Part of what I'm hearing you say is that during, especially the early years of being single with kids, it felt like you carried the world, you know, yes. you, you were carrying all the things and then the difficulty. And this is something that people who've never been through divorce or watch people that they love, um, go through it. They can't understand that. It's like, well, you chose that. The alternative so, was untenable. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're carrying all the things, but were there moments in those years where you found yourself somehow being carried to? Absolutely. Well, um, we touched on it a little bit already, but my, my parents literally put myself and my kids on their backs in those years and, and carried us through it. Um, the support and, um, and the wisdom to step back when they needed mm -hmm. to, uh, just, <laughs> there aren't any words. <laughs> um, they, they carried us through, um, especially during that time when I wouldn't allow God to carry me. They did all that heavy lifting of the praying and the talking to the kids about God and making sure they got to church and, and giving me space to grow and come back. What turned it around for me was a twofold thing. I was, I was figuring myself out. Um, I went back to school and I didn't finish what I started when I went back to school, but it was the greatest gift I could have given myself at that time. Um, reconnect with who I was outside of being a mom, mm -hmm. um, to put in time on me <laughs> and figure out where I was going and where I wanted to be and how I got there 
and just have the time. I loved going back to school. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was, it was a thing I did for myself at a time when all I had been doing for three years was survival. At the same time, a, a dear friend invited me to come to her church. I don't know why I said yes at that point. I, I had quit going because <clears throat> having been raised in the church, when I went back to church after my divorce, I could not get over the shame and the judgment that I felt, which was almost entirely self-inflicted. <laughs> I, I just couldn't get past it. And my friend asked me to church <laughs> and um, I went and it was a completely different kind of church than I had ever been to. It was very foreign and should have felt extremely uncomfortable. And somehow that was just where God met me. Is an Orthodox church that I went to and it was their, their Easter service. They call it Pascha. And it's, it starts at 1130 at night. So I literally, I, I homeschooled the kids in the morning. I went to, to work at my serving job at 3.30 in the afternoon. I got off work at 11 and I went straight to this church I had never been to at 11.30 at night in my, my P.F. Chang's clothes. <laughs> but there's this point where all the lights are extinguished in the sanctuary and the priest lights a candle. The light spreads throughout the church and there is this joyous moment of the light spreading. And, and right as the lights went out, I thought that that's it. I got to go. I can't be here. And my friend who had invited me, who I hadn't seen for most of the service because she takes pictures for the church and she was off doing pictures, um, came out of nowhere with a candle to light my candle and the joy on her face. I just, I felt God in that moment saying, here, and you don't have to do anything. And she said, come with me. From that moment on, I felt like I belonged there and like God was meeting me in this place without me having to do the work. He did the work. Yeah. yeah. It was completed on Calvary. I know that I am a wretch. <laughs> God knows, but I don't have to do the work to fix it. All yeah. I have to do is give it to him. And so I had these two things that came together at once. There was the dark times and then there's this, this very vivid moment of coming into the light and breathing again and thinking, we're going to make it. It's like you also really able to release the expectations you had had for your life mm -hmm. that weren't never going to be fulfilled. You, you yeah. weren't giving your children the, the traditional family you expected. You weren't going to be the stay-at-home mom. It wasn't going to be happily ever after. All that was done. Mm -hmm. And you grieved that deeply. Yes. And then became reached a place where you were able to say, what I expected is never going to come to pass. But mm -hmm. I can dream again. And we'll find life mm -hmm. together. Yes. And I think a big realization for me was I don't need to find a man in order to make a life. There was a lot of fear and just discouragement that I'm going to be alone forever and not knowing how to make that okay. I think that was a big part of what I was grieving. And to come to a place where even if that doesn't ever happen, 
I can see a life that is worth living was just a huge step. And I want to say this because it was something that I thought I really wanted to pass on to -hmm. other single moms, especially who might be having a crisis of faith. There was a moment when thinking about, and I can't remember what it was about my kids, but I was thinking about just how much I love them and how much I'm willing to do and sacrifice. And no matter what, you know, I think one of them was going through a difficult time and was Mm -hmm. giving me a lot of attitude and just, you know, we'd had a really hard day. And it was like, I could feel God, you know, telling me as I was thinking about how much I love them, even though Mm -hmm. they were just being so terrible in that moment. And he was like, that's the way I love you. I think it was the first time I, I allowed myself to see my importance to him value because I'm his, no matter what I've done. And even when I feel like no one else will ever love me again, (laughs) Mm. um, that he is there. And what a gift if we'll just accept it. What were the things that made that season of life not in vain, that in turn gave life to you and the kids? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that realizing not only that I matter, that was a big part of it, but also my own capability. Such a huge, huge thing. Finding out what I was made of. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I have a backbone of steel and I didn't know it was there. <laughs> um, I remember one time, And the reason I remember it is because I posted about it on Facebook and it came up on my memories uh, not that long ago. We were having a family movie night and something went wrong with the entertainment center. And I had always been the one who, you know, sat back and let my ex-husband because I was completely overwhelmed by the mess of wires and don't understand technology. He took care of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, here are my kids. 10 and five or whatever they were at the time and, you know, waiting excitedly for movie night to start. And there's no sound from Mm. the, the entertainment center. And I'm, you know, on a chair behind the thing. And and my poor mother, who's way less technologically knowledgeable than I am, you know, trying to help and holding cords out of the way. And, and I'm, you know, swearing and crying, literally in tears. I can't do this. I can't even give my kids movie night. I can't do movie <laughs> night, right? I'm like, how am I going to connect these things to make them work? And I don't know why it's not working. And, and I literally said, I can't do this and started bawling, standing on this chair. And I looked down and I saw my daughter watching and I dove back in there <laughs> and I figured it out. And the way I put it when I posted about it was when the uh, entertainment system was well and truly beaten into submission, (laughs) I turned to my daughter and I grabbed her by her little shoulders and I said, don't let me ever hear you say, I can't do it. You can do anything. And if you can't do it on your own, you can find someone who can help you. That's right. That's the greatest thing that I think I took out aside from, you know, a reconnection with God, which I think is obviously the number one thing. (laughs) But personally on a, you know, me level, I can do anything. Mm. I'm not scared anymore. I (laughs) will figure it out. And if I can't do it on my own, 
I will find somebody who can help me. And I spent so much time terrified (laughs) in Mm. my life of so many things that I couldn't do, didn't know how to figure out and what was going to happen if I couldn't figure it out. (laughs) And the release of that fear, just huge. I I cannot be overstated. Maria, I really appreciate you sharing your story. This episode went in directions I never imagined. And isn't that how life works? Maria found herself after divorce with kids, carrying the weight of the world and her faith, relationships, resources, expectations, and values. Well, for a while, it felt like all they were doing was crushing her because what they had been were no more. As she said, it wasn't that her marriage came undone. It was that her life came undone. The loss of divorce is that great. And yet in time, as she continued through her train wreck, as she called it, those very same things, her faith, relationship, resources, expectations, and values, they shaped a life. She made a new family for herself with her children, with her mother and her father, and she found a life worth living. She knew it was going to be okay. Wherever you are in life, whether you're married, single, or divorced, may you latch on to the part of this episode that connected with you and may it give you life. Join us next week for an episode on a blended family. And if you missed last week's episode, 20 years ended in divorce, check it out. Thanks for joining me, Ellen Martin, for this episode of A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. I hope in some way it helped you live with others in ways that give life. That's A Life Shared. It's what we were made for. Music.